So on the biggest day in church history, after the cross and the resurrection, Holy Spirit came upon the church in Acts 2, then we have Acts chapter 3, which is the day after. And I, wanna, I want us to see how Christianity, it really begins to work on Monday. How many of you enjoy Sundays? Come on, I enjoy Sundays. It's my favorite day of the week. This is the easiest thing we do all week. Preaching a message is the easiest thing I do as a pastor. You don't believe me? You can come with me this week, and I've got plenty of stuff I can let you <laughs> get a part of. And, but this is my favorite day of the week. I get to be with you. We together get to be in the presence of God, and we get to enjoy the Spirit of God like we've done so far. And it's incredible, and I love it. I look forward to this day every week. But there's always a Monday after a Sunday. Isn't there? Now, Monday's got a bad reputation. I heard a lot of people say last week, my Tuesday feels like a Monday. That just goes to show you that Monday's sneaky. He'll catch you on a Tuesday if he didn't catch you on a Monday, <laughs> right? <laughs> Ever have a Tuesday? <laughs> You're like, can I just get a Monday? <laughs> but there's always a Monday for a Christian. There's always a place and an opportunity and a time appointed for us to put into practice what has been put into us. It's a moment. You see, Jesus didn't save us for Sundays. Jesus saved us from Mondays to Saturdays. Sunday is the benefit of being saved. I thought that would have went a lot better than that. Watch what happens in the book of Acts. The day after the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches, 3,000 get saved. Let's take a look at their Monday. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Boom shakalaka, get you some of that. This is the day after the day of Pentecost. This is Monday, y'all. You see, God's got a purpose and a plan for us on Monday. There's always a lame person laying around somewhere on a Monday. You see, there's always somebody who settled for life the way it is. This guy had a problem. He was born this way. It wasn't nobody's fault. He was born this way. This is all he's ever known. Carry me to the temple. Let me use my handicap to beg for money to make a living. This is the only way I know how to make a living. So I just, just carry me to the, to the gate called Beautiful because I make the most money at the Beautiful Gate. Don't make money at the Ugly Gate. 
Sit me down on my matter. Let me beg for money. He, he, he got settled with where he was. He became content with where he was. He was, he was just, he just, this is my lot in life. This is who I will be until I die. I guarantee you will run into somebody with that same disposition this week. His goal that morning when he woke up was to get as much money as he could. Little did he know God had another plan. Little did he know that God had other people. Mm. You see, you're God's people. We are God's people. God has a plan for us, and that plan includes to bring us into the lives of people that have become spiritually lame or even physically lame so that we can bring heaven to earth and change their life forever. You see, he wasn't begging for a miracle. He was just trying to make a living. Boy, how many times can we get in that place, huh? How many times can we get in that situation and that mindset, well, I'm just going to try to make a living. I'm just going to try to survive. I'm going to try to ride it out. Anybody? Come on, be honest. You in church. I'm just going to ride it out. It's just going to always be this way. It's going to always be. This is just the way it's going to be. My mama was this way. My mama was this way. I don't know about you, but I didn't settle for that. My daddy was married five times. I just want one. I'm wise enough to know I can only handle one wife. Come on, somebody. I wasn't going to always be the way my family always been. You ever find yourself in a position or a, a state of emotions where you just want to just get by? I just need to just get by. I think we all find ourselves there sometimes, right? Let me, just, let me just ride this day out. Let me, just, let me just get by. You see, in an activated church, the miraculous is usually wrapped up in the mundane. Sometimes as Christians, we get this mindset that, that there has to be a chorus, there has to be a choir, there has to be this, this heavenly hallelujah for us to do a miracle in somebody's life. And Jesus says, they don't, you don't need a choir, you don't need a microphone, you don't need screens, you just need to show up in your everyday life and I'll put somebody there that needs what you got. So what you got? You see, Peter and John didn't have much money. But they didn't let what they didn't have keep them from doing what they needed to do. Yeah, that's going to preach right there. They didn't let what they didn't have keep them from doing what they needed to do. They just gave what they had. What did they have? You see, they were Jewish men. And they were heading to the temple for prayer like normal. The title of this message today is 3 p.m. Christians. 3 p.m. Christians. It's the kind of Christians that are still on the prowl at 3 p.m. It's the kind of Christians that when 3 p.m. comes around, instead of thinking about how quickly I can get out of work and get home, I'm looking and saying, okay, I need to find somebody to give what I got. Come on. A 3 p.m. Christian. Monday behavior is the true test of Sunday inspiration. 
You see, we got to never underestimate God's ability to make something big out of something small. To take what seems to be insignificant and watch God do something very significant. To take what we know, what's normal, what's everyday, what's average, and see God move in that. God's in that business, y'all. You see, he's the one that puts the super in our, the super in our natural. Christianity should never, ever be boring. I look at the early church in the book of Acts, and I see that everywhere they went, there were God moments. Every time they went to a new place, Peter, remember Peter sitting up on the roof, hungry? Anybody get hungry? Anybody get hangry? Come on, I get hangry. I skip hungry most of the time, go straight to hangry, and nobody likes me. Peter's sitting on the roof. He's just waiting on him to get supper cooked, and he's hangry, and he's praying to keep from saying something stupid. And all of a sudden, he has a vision on the rooftop, and God shows him not to call unclean what I've called clean. And before you know it, he's at Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile, and he's preaching the gospel, and he sees God touch the Gentile people, and a whole nother race of people get the gospel and the power of Jesus. And Peter was just waiting on supper, waiting on the beans to cook. Right? So let me show you three ways to see the miraculous in the mundane. How many of you would agree with me this morning that sometimes we just get a little blind? <laughs> you see, some of y'all are going to leave church in a little while, and you're going to be right there at that stop sign, and you're going to be trying to get out. And even though that light turns red and people can well let you out, there's some of them that are going to roll up right in front of you like this. Acting like they can't see you. So they don't have to let you out. And you're just leaving church and you're trying to keep your cool because you got some Jesus. And you're trying not to lose it next to the church. Thank you for that. Because that's like right here. You know, that's them our Savior's church people. Sometimes we become blind, right? Number one, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Famous Pastor Bubba prayer. God, give me Jesus contact lenses. Help me to see how Jesus sees. He, in fact, he prayed that over me this morning. He's been saying that since the first time I met him. Open your eyes. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. Look at us. I wonder how many times they actually walked past him previous to this. I wonder how many times they just kind of disregarded him. It's possible. They didn't see everything. Jesus didn't heal everything. Right? 
How, I wonder how many times they walked by, we'll call him T-Boy, how many times they walked by T-Boy and never paid any attention to him until for some reason today they decided to look at him, the Bible says, intently, meaning with intentions. Are you going to work tomorrow? Are you going to do the things you're going to do tomorrow with some intentions? Well, yeah, that's why you get out of bed, because you've got some intentions. But are you going with the right intentions? Are you going with your eyes open, looking for an opportunity to touch somebody's life? Looking for an opportunity to just simply give them what you have? There's people everywhere waiting for us to give them what we have. Desperately. Do you realize tomorrow there's going to be several people crying out to God because they're, they're just in a desperate place? Lord, would you please help me? Would you please, if you're real, would you please show up? And you're the answer to that prayer. There's probably somebody at your job crying out for God to show up. Open your eyes. One of the best tests of being spirit-filled is that you notice people. Because you see, while you're on your way, God puts people in your way. Amen. Boy, this one's hard for me. I ain't going to lie to you. Because there's sometimes people, I just I don't want to be around those people. Can I just be honest this morning? Like, I, I really like, feel better the more I, I'm honest. Like, I've been lying to you to this number. <laughs> Like, like, let's just be real this morning. There's, there's sometimes there's people I just don't want to be around. Or there's sometimes it's just they, they're just in the wrong place at the wrong time with me. And I'm just like, I ain't got time for this today. Pray for me. I told you to pray for me. What if I'm the answer? What if God put them in my way for a reason? Wow. You see, we can become so focused on what we're doing that we miss what God's doing. I, I, you don't have to raise your hands. I know we're all guilty of that, of getting so fixated on what we're doing that we're missing what God wants to do. But we've got to be careful that we're not like the people on Highway 190 in, an, in, in another 45 minutes who are acting like they don't see you. Because I, I don't want you to raise your hands because I don't want you to condemn yourself this morning. But sometimes we overlook people on purpose. You know it's true. Sometimes we turn an eye away from people. Because we either don't have time for it. I don't have the emotional capacity for it. I don't have this or that for it. They could have walked past this guy because he was asking for something they didn't have and they could have hid underneath the excuse of we don't have silver and gold. Couldn't help him, Lord. We didn't have any silver and gold. If you give me more silver and gold, I could help more people, Lord. They could have used that excuse. But instead, their eyes were opened and they saw a man in need. I believe if Jesus could tell us one thing today, he would say to open your eyes. Can we just begin to pray like Pastor Bubba prays? Lord, give me Jesus' contact lenses. Lord, help me to see the way you see. But let me, tell, let me give you a little bit of a warning. You better get ready to see what you're going to see because 
it's not going to be the way you've always seen things. You're going to see something that you didn't expect to see. I believe this, that blindness leads to spiritual boredom. I believe there's opportunities for us every day to touch somebody's life if we'll just look for them. So number one, open your eyes. Number two, open your hands. Paul, this is good. Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Watch this. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Too many times we're looking for a kind of miracle. And God's saying, I can do a kind of miracle. But what about if I take a miracle from your hand? What if I use your hand to do a miracle? What if you just grab that poor man by the hand and as you're lifting him up, I'm doing the healing, I'm doing the restoring. What if we'll just use our hands mixed together with his power and see him do the miraculous? That's where the Bible says that we get to share in his glory. Peter got to share in God's glory because Peter got to be the hand to the helpless. And the Bible says as he grabbed him, like, it don't take long, y'all, to pick somebody up off the, well, I'm big, okay, so let me, let me think about you small folk for a minute. It takes a little minute for y'all, but for me, it don't take long to jerk somebody up off the ground. As restoration, healing, never walked before, never stood on his feet before, never been in this position before. His whole life he was carried. Now he's standing on his own two feet because Peter gave him a hand and Peter gave him what he had. Amen? You don't have to have much. A little bit of faith mixed with some muscle, baby. God's going to show up. You don't need a doctorate. You don't need a plaque on the wall. You don't need a certificate. You just need a hand mixed with some faith. But too often we use the excuse of what we don't have. And it keeps us from experiencing what God has. If you don't have it, that just means you get to see God bring it. Right? What if we flip the switch in our mind and say, you know what, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give it away and watch God do something incredible. And then we get to experience his power in the moment. In the moment. That's where Christianity gets really exciting. <laughs> That's when you come to church and the, the worship team don't even have to play yet and you're already excited. You see, we have everything that we need to do everything that God's called us to do. He never sends a messenger with an empty envelope. Stephen didn't prepare a message for when he was going to be martyred. God gave it to him in the moment. 
it was being downloaded and uploaded all at the same time. You with me? Maybe if we'll just bend our back and put a hand out, we'll see God show up and do what needs to be done. Amen? There was, there was a time when, as a Christian, I didn't know what kind of authority I had. I didn't know what kind of power God had given me. I didn't know that I had any power at all. The way I was raised, it was God has all the power and we're just to submit to it and just walk and do everything he says to do like, a, like an old stubborn mule. I didn't realize what I had until God began to show me. It reminds me of a story when I asked my uncle. My uncles used to build uh, motorcycles. They started building, rebuilding Harley Davidsons, and then they started building custom bikes that went for fifty, sixty thousand dollars custom-made bikes. And these were nice bikes, motorcycles. And I was at my uncle's house, and we were a family of trash talkers. And I was like, "Man, that bike ain't got no power." He said, "Boy," I said, "Let me ride it." And I know he wanted to shove me up bad because he let me ride it. So I got on this Harley Davidson, and it was an old classic. I started it up, vroom, vroom. and when I let off the clutch, all I remember is waking up underneath the trailer house. I went from the driveway to underneath the trailer house. It had more power than I thought. I talked trash, but I didn't know what I was saying, right? I didn't anticipate what it had. What if, as Christians, we would just show up and put a hand out with some faith mixed into it and see God's power in our hands? Come on. You'll never know it till you get on it and ride it. I got off, and I thought he was going to kill me. I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. He's like, you know now, huh? I was like, yes, sir, yes, sir. Things, things got power. I feel like one of, the, you know, one of those little kids, when they, they realize a pot is hot, they go, hot. And I was like, power. <laughs> power. Harley Davidson, power. <laughs> you see, God doesn't always use the most gifted. Most of the time, he just uses the most willing. You don't have to be gifted. You just need to be willing. God's looking for people today who are willing willing to speak up, willing to say something, willing to look with some eyes of intention for an opportunity to see him show up and change somebody's life. Just willing. You just need to be willing. God, use me. What if we woke up in the morning and the first thing we said was, Lord, use me. Use me today. Help me to see the people that you put in my way. And I trust you for the power that needs to be there when I get there. I can't cure cancer, but Jesus can. I can't fix a single marriage, but Jesus can. Right? Jesus can. You see, what the lame man really needed, he didn't even notice it anymore. Do you know that that most of the time when people ask you for something, it's not what they really need? We, We don't always have to be in the business of giving people what they need. Or what they, th- what they say they need. Sometimes what they think they need is not really what they need. He thought he needed money, but money was going to keep him the same. What he needed was saving from his lameness. Right? 
Peter and John looked at him intently and saw that he had a greater need than silver and gold. He had a need to get up and walk, right? And that's what they reached into. Focus. Your eyes need to be on the people around you. Sometimes people do need spare change. But sometimes they need way more than that. Amen? Amen. Watch what happens. You see, when God does his part and we do our part, God moves when we move. Verse 8, he jumped up. Okay, he never stood before. Now he's jumping. Newborn babies don't jump. That means when God restored his muscles, his tendons, and his ligaments, he brought him up to the age that he was at right now. And he was able to do what he was able to do as a normal person right now. God did the miracle in such a way that he was able to leap. He was able to jump. It says he stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Did they ask him to go to church? Did they browbeat him? Oh, you got to come to church now. What happened? He stood up. He was so touched by Jesus because they gave him what they had that he just, he went into church. Wherever he's, I'm going with them. But you see, he came into church a little different. He came into church with a little swagger. Not Jimmy swaggered, with some real swagger. He came in like, look at my brand new legs. Look at my brand new feet. I'm walking, y'all. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often, so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Now watch this. This wasn't the general public, y'all. This was church folks. The church folks got astounded. The church folks got astounded. Like they weren't even ready for this. Like they didn't even know this could happen. Like this, this is like, what? That's what? Huh? That's, God, that's him. That's that guy they carry out every week. You know that guy we always walk to the other side of the street on? Yeah, that's him. That's why we go through the ugly gate, because he's always at the beautiful gate. <laughs> that's, that's him. Wow. Astounded. The church was astounded. We should be astounded. We should regularly be astounded. Amen? We should regularly be going, man, God did this. Can you believe it? God did this. God did that. The other day we had a guy, he was supposed to have hernia surgery. His hernias were gone. Just gone. Girl was supposed to have a biopsy on something in her, her breast. They go to do the biopsy. We can't do nothing. There's nothing to biopsy. Wow. 
astounded. Marriages are getting saved all the time. Wow. Astounded. I'm going to the other church. Y'all not. (laughs) The lame man wasn't lame anymore. Because John and Peter opened their eyes and then they reached out their hand. They say, we're in the middle of sports season right now. They say excellent athletes have to have one key thing, and it's hand-eye coordination. They have to have hand-eye coordination to be a successful athlete. In other words, when the eye sees, the hand responds. When the hand responds, the eye sees. It's hand-eye coordination. The eye sees and the hand responds. The hand responds what the eye sees. You see it? As Christians, we need to have good eye-hand coordination. To have good eye-hand coordination as a Christian, you can't just wishfully think that to happen. You've got to prayerfully, uh, prayerfully uh, prepare yourself. You have to prayerfully prepare yourself for that every day. Right? Lord, I pray that my eyes would see what my hands need to coordinate with. I pray that my hands would coordinate with what my eyes see. We got to prepare for this. Amen? As Christians, we need to prepare. We need to have good eye-hand coordination. I wonder how many lame men are still begging, waiting on us to come by with some hand-eye coordination. Waiting, us, waiting for us for just one day to not be so busy about our jobs, to not be so busy about our shopping or our parenting or all those other things, to not be so busy with what we're supposed to be doing that we miss out on an opportunity in front of us. Eye-hand coordination, number three. You getting something yet? So open your eyes, reach out your hands, And number three, open your mouth. So he comes into the church. (laughs) The church is astounded. That's the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we made him walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. You see, his eyes led to his hands, which opened the door for his mouth. 
It is foul to go preach to people you've never seen or you've never helped before. Not only did it give Peter's mouth an opportunity to speak, it gave the crowd's ears an opportunity to hear. Oh, come on. Now, you can preach to people all day long and they not hear you, but if you want them to hear you, then you need to come with what you got and give them what you got. Give them what you got, let God do his thing, and then you're going to see some, some dumbos come out. And they're going to hear what you got to say. I want people to hear me. I don't want them to just listen to me or tolerate me. I don't ever want to be in a place where people just tolerate me. Because I've tolerated people before. And all their words, and you just kind of go, oh, God. I want people to hear me, to hear what God's given me to say. Peter says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. What did Peter and John do? They created an environment for the presence of the Lord to show up. What was people experiencing? What was the thing that was changing them? What got their attention? It wasn't just the lame man walking. It was the presence of God. It's the presence of God. It's like God is in the room. It's the presence of God. Because you see, living like Christ alone doesn't remove our responsibility to verbally share our faith. Rather, it gives us an opportunity to do so. Now, don't get me wrong. You got to back up what you're saying. (laughs) But the way you live and the way you respond to people around you opens up the door for what you need to say. And it gives you the opportunity to say it with open hearts and open ears. The miracle was the platform for Peter to share the greatest message on the planet. What message do we share? We share the gospel of Jesus. We don't share a prosperity gospel. We don't share a name it, claim it, and frame it gospel. We share a Jesus died on the cross for your sins kind of gospel. And he was raised to life so that you could be raised to life kind of gospel. That's what we preach. That's what we tell people, that Jesus raises the dead today. Jesus brings new life into dead people today. He's the one that can save you. He's the one that can cleanse you. He's the one that can give you new life. What are they giving him? They're giving him the gospel. And then times of refreshment will come into their lives. The miracle was the platform. It's a heck of a Monday, huh? (laughs) You ready for Monday? You ready? You ready for Monday? What about Tuesday? If you get one on Monday, it's Tuesday. Can you get one on Tuesday too? 
can, can it become something that we, that becomes our reality? Can it become something that becomes like life to us? Like wherever we go, whatever we see, God gives us to give to and see the miraculous happen. This is the model. The early church is the model. 